You could open your Bibles again to the 13th chapter of John's Gospel, the 34th and 35th verses. Jesus is speaking. He said, a new commandment. Everybody say new commandment. A new commandment, Jesus said, I give unto you. What is this new commandment? That you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. How are they going to tell if they are his disciples? If you have love one to another. What we're speaking on is the new law of the new covenant. The new law was to take the place of the old Ten Commandments. Jesus fulfilled the old covenant and established the new covenant in his blood. I know when we say that because I've been saying it for years. Folks said, well, you mean we don't have to keep the Ten Commandments? You see, if you walk in love, you're not going to break any law that was ever given to curb sin. If I love you, I'm not going to steal anything from you or anybody else. If I love, if I'm walking in love, then I can never bear false witness against anyone. Are you following me? Now notice again, John 13, 35, by this shall all men know, all men, both in the world and in the church and everywhere, all men, means all men everywhere, know that you're my disciples. How are they going to know it? If you have love one to another. That's exactly the way they're going to know it. That's the way they're going to know us. This kind of love is not selfish. God so loved the world that he gave. Hallelujah. His only begotten son. That whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, the love law is given to us right here. John 13, 34, our text. A new commandment, a new law. In other words, I give you. You see, the love law of the family of God is that you love one another. How? As I have loved you. That you love one another. Now, how did he love us? Because we deserved it? No. He loved us while we were yet unlovely. He loved us while we were yet sinners. The Bible says so. Now think about this. If God loved us with so great love when we were unlovely, when we were sinners, when we were his enemies, he loved us. Do you think he loves his children any less? I said, do you think he loves his children any less? No, No, thank God a thousand times no. And we ought to love the same way. See, the Bible teaches us to do good, to love our enemies. The Bible teaches us to do good to those that do evil to us. Love like Jesus loved. Now, you understand this, that there's natural human love, and then there's divine love. The love that we're talking about is divine love, the love of God, not natural human love. There's a lot said today about natural human love. But friends, there simply is no love in this old world like the love of God. Natural human love is selfish. I've heard people say, a mother's love is akin to the love of God. I thought that one time myself. But through the years of observation, I found that it isn't so. As a usual thing, a mother's love is selfish. It's natural human love, and it's a selfish love. Amen. My baby, my children. Well, of course, they are yours. But when they don't go up, you ought to have enough sense to turn loose up and let them go. I remember a church where I was holding a meeting several years ago. A dear woman came to me crying. I love my children. I love them. I want you to pray for them. I brought them up right here in this church, full gospel church, where I was holding a meeting, she said to me. And I don't understand it. Not a one of them will come to church except my girl, her only daughter. She had two boys. 
This girl played the piano in church. She was the only one who came. In fact, one of the boys had just run away from home. He's about 17 and run away. She was a widow. She said, there isn't anyone in this church that loves their children any more than I do. She told me this. I said, sister, there has to be a reason why things have happened like they have, as you tell me. I'm a stranger here, just a guest speaker here in this church. But I can see that poor girl sitting on the piano bench. I asked the pastor. I thought something was wrong with her. You look at her and she duck her head. Act strange. But she was an accomplished musician. There was a university there in the city. She stayed at home and, and majored in music. Had two or three degrees in music from this university. Very accomplished pianist. But you look at her and she'd look away and drop her head and act funny. And I asked the pastor, what's wrong with her? Is there something the matter with her? He told me all of her qualifications. Then he told me. He said, and so I knew this when the mother came. He said, she's never been away from home one night in her lifetime. Her mother's never let her out of her sight. She's never had a boyfriend. Now she's about 28, 30 years old. Never had a boyfriend. Never had a girlfriend. Never had any friends. You see, her mother just kept her right with her all time, as we say down in Texas, under her coattail. Never let her go once some night and spend a night with her friends. Never let her have any friends come in. Well, naturally, her personality is all twisted. She don't know how to act out in public, even if she did go to school and learn music and get her degrees. You need fellowship with other young people your age. So she said, I want you to pray for me. I said, what for? Well, pray for this boy, 17, 16, 17, and just, just left home. Prayed he'll come back. I said, I'm not going to do it. Thank God he's gone. That's what I told her. I said, thank God he's gone. And that poor girl, she had any sense to get up and leave too. No, I love my, yeah, but I said, it's human love. It's selfish, selfish, selfish. You got your interest at heart, not their interest. I know it's hard. I know it's hard when it comes to children. I know that. Amen. And are you out there? You see, natural human love. You see, the natural, and we are natural from a physical standpoint. You can understand that. But natural human love, you see, is selfish. But divine love, natural mother's love is selfish also. This mother did love her children, but with natural love, not divine love. She really didn't have her children's interest at heart. She had her interest at heart. I want them with me. She wanted to keep them with her. You have to notice that mother-in-laws rarely have trouble with sons-in-law. Sometimes they do, but rarely. Mostly, it's usually with daughters-in-law. Remember the illustration we gave uh, about the uh, young couple, actually ministers? And she said, the way you preach, I don't even know whether I'm saved or not. You got me all confused. Well, I said, no use confused when I got here. The light of God's word showed it up. What's the trouble? Well, said, you quoted that scripture from 1 John. You know, he that hateth his brother is a murderer. You know, no murder hath eternal life about him. And, and the Holy Ghost prompted me evidently to say, and that means mother-in-law too. And it does. I said, what's your trouble? She said, I hate my mother-in-law. I knew she really didn't because if she did, she is a murderer. And you need to be careful how you use that word hate. It shouldn't be in your vocabulary. Amen. 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 I said, amen. amen. And so, uh, not in that sense at least. You ought to hate sin, of course. Amen. But now, uh, she, said, uh, I, she said, what am I going to do? I said to her, you're going to uh, act like you would if you did love her because you do. I knew that love was in her heart. She had to get it out and get it into manifestation. Act like you would love her if you did because you do. You see, love has to be practiced. Love is of the heart. Love is revealed in word and action. Amen? Amen. And so she uh, invited my wife and I over, said, I've invited my mother-in-law and sister-in-laws over and, and wanted us to come over for refreshments after church one night, and we did. And I told you the story about the little child with epilepsy. And she wanted us then a few days later to pray. And the Lord said to me, don't pray for her. Don't lay your hand on the child. Say to the mother, 
And the old covenant I said walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and I'll take sickness away from the midst of it and the number of your days you'll fulfill. Paraphrasing that in New Testament language, walk in my commandment of love. Keep my statue of love. Do that which is right in my sight, which is to walk in love. That's all of it. You don't have to worry about it anymore. And I'll take sickness away from the midst of you. So you say to the mother, mother, say to Satan, I'm walking in love. Take your hand off my child. I hadn't got the words out of my mouth till she turned, pointed to that child in this epileptic seizure and said, Satan, I'm walking in love. Take your hand off of my child. Immediately it all stopped. Immediately. Some folks said, well, I haven't been walking in love. She hadn't either, but she got into love. Once you get in there, stay. If you step out, ever step out of love, sin. If you do step out, get back in just as fast as you can. Don't wait till you come to church. Maybe too late. Right then, bless God, ask God to forgive you and get right back in love. And if you need to, ask the other person to forgive you. Did you hear me? Yeah. And get right back in love. But now she's in love, so she has a right. Well, I remember several years later, we visited them in their home. The child was eight years old, five years later. And the child perfectly healthy now and so on. And I asked her, you ever had any more problems? Well, no, in this five years, some little symptoms showed up. I said, what'd you do? She said, I said, oh, no, you don't, Satan. I'm walking in love. And they stopped. They disappeared. That'll work for you just as much as it worked for her. Amen. Amen. Because the love law belongs to you. The love law is the love law, the new law of the new covenant. Did you hear me? Amen. Praise God. I made mention of the fact also of the minister of the gospel. Said somebody came to town, built another church, my town. See, that's selfish. Not his town's God's city. Amen. How many did you run to Sunday school before they came to start another church here? Well, last two years, one year averaged 112. That's babies, children, everybody. Next year, 113. How long has that church been down there in the south part of town? Two years. What are you averaging now? I'm averaging 240 to 260. What are they averaging? Well, I'm sorry to say they're averaging anywhere from 260 to 280, a little bit ahead of us. Then both of you are running over 500. You ought to be thrilled about it. Well, I want you to pray for me. I got ulcers. I want to forgive that fellow, but I can't forgive him coming in here in my town. Well, you can't pray for him and get him healed of ulcers. He had his operation. I saw him at a convention. I want you to pray for him. The ulcers have come back. No need of praying for him. He's got to get that unforgiveness out. You see, he's got to walk in love toward his brother. If you're in a, in a state of unforgiveness, you're not walking in love. Love forgives. I want to add it too. Love forgives and forgets. Love forgives and forgets because God is love and he forgives and forgets. He said he would, didn't he? I said he said, didn't he? Amen. I said, amen. amen. Praise God. But you notice when that man did that, because I know he did it, uh, then his ulcers disappeared. His ulcers disappeared. His ulcers disappeared. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. Thank God. Thank God. Now, you see, the reason that folks get into trouble is they don't always walk in love and in forgiveness. Love and forgiveness go hand in hand. The love of God is in our hearts, in our spirits. Let's feed that love. Let me repeat that. Let's exercise that love. And being a fruit, it will grow and we can grow to the place. I'm not there yet, but I'm still working on it. The word of God talks about being made perfect in love. Now, I haven't met anybody yet that's there. I thought I'd got there a time or two. <laughs> and about that time, something happened that knocked my head right where my feet were a few minutes before. And I found out I wasn't near so much there as I thought I was. Amen. God wants us to grow. And we can grow in love. And really, there is no spiritual growth without growing in love. The Bible speaks, as I said, of being made perfect in love. Well, thank God that God kind of love is perfect, but is not always perfected in us. That's what we've got to work on. The God kind of love is not interested in what I can get. Natural love selfish, but God kind of love is unselfish. God kind of love is interested in what I can give. Too many are selfish, and even though they're Christians, they let the natural man, the flesh, and natural human reasoning dominate them. What I can get, what I'm going to get out of this, I'm not going to take that anymore. 
I'm not going to put up with this. I, 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 I. It's all they ever talk about. I. That'll ruin individuals, ruin your life, ruin your health. It's also true in churches. I remember one church that I pastored before we, my wife and I married, just a single boy, about 20. I rented a room from a couple. And uh, th- th- this fella kept on going on, well, I've got my say-so and I'm going to have it. I got my say-so in church. I've got just as much say-so as anybody else. And he kept going his say-so. I resigned and left. But he kept on with his say-so until he just tore the whole thing up. Selfishness will wreck and ruin churches. Selfishness will wreck and ruin marriages. Selfishness will wreck and ruin lives. But the love of God never fails. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen? Walk in love. Walk in divine love. As children of God, the nature of God is in us, and God's nature is love. So it is natural for us spiritually to love. But if I let my outward man, the flesh, the body, and my natural mind, if it hasn't been renewed with the word of God sufficiently, I let it dominate that love nature in my heart. I keep that love nature in my heart a prisoner, so to speak. I... I do not release that love that's within me. Then you see, my spirit is frustrated. That's the reason so many people are frustrated. Their spirit's frustrated. You won't let your spirit express itself. You keep that love a prisoner. Are you listening to me? You keep God a prisoner, so to speak, in you. You keep the Holy Spirit a prisoner, so to speak, in you. Let him out. Hallelujah. What about this God kind of love? What are its characteristics? Thank God they're given to us. Turn to the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Now it's to be regretted that in the King James translation, they translated this word for divine love, in this case divine love at least, agape. They translated it charity in the King James translation. But actually, it's the same Greek word that's translated, the love of God's been shut abroad in my heart. Same Greek word. And so here, we have an expose on love. Let's look at it in detail. Now, notice, first of all, the King James translation. Then I'm going to read my favorite translation is the Amplified translation. Let's read, first of all, King James translation. King James translation said, charity suffereth long and is kind, charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not selfish, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things, charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. But thank God, love never fails. Now, I like, as I said, the Amplified Translation is my, my favorite. Love endures long. That's the fourth verse now. Amplified Translation. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Now, a lot of people endure long but they aren't patient and kind while they do it. They just suffer long because they have to. Some people said, I've suffered all I'm going to. I'm not going to have it this way anymore. But thank God, love, the love of God in us, endures long. It's hard on the flesh, but that's good for you. And it's patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. You see, it's natural human love that's jealous. This kind of love does not boil over with jealousy. Go on reading. Love is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride, it is not rude unmannerly and does not act unbecomingly. Love 
God's love in us does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. Now, I wish you would take that, just take a little time, let that soak in. Now, as you can see, that this kind of love is perfect in itself. But you can readily see that we haven't been made perfect in it yet. That's the reason Paul said, I don't count myself to already be perfect. But this one thing I do, forgetting the things that are behind, I press forward toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And that's when you'll get there is when you get to this place where this kind of love we're talking about is made perfect in you. You can see it's perfect in itself. Can't you see that? Amen. Amen. All right. So, I want you to notice, and I want to read that again. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. Well, somebody said, yeah, but I know what's mine, though. I've got my say-so, and I'm going to have it. I've got my rights, and I'm going to have them. No matter how much you see, they may hurt someone else. Remember there in Romans, that 13th chapter of Romans, we read in that 10th verse, love worketh no ill. Well, you could read it this way. Love worketh no hurt to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. We, we emphasized last night because you remember, he gave us several commandments here and said, if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this sin, thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself. And God said to Israel, you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and I'll take sickness away from the midst of you. Well, if they kept th those commandments, sickness was taken away from the midst of them. And if I walk in love, sickness will be taken away from the midst of me. I have to be very careful about that. That's one thing I've been careful about through these 50 some odd years. That's the reason that the last headache I had was August of 1933. There's no use start having headaches now. Too late. Amen. But you see, a lot of times I've had people to say to me, I've had other fellow ministers to say to me, I wouldn't take that if I was you. I've had some of them to insinuate there's a weakness in my character. No, there was a strength in my character, the love of God. Amen. Love doesn't insist on its own rights. You notice it said that? For it's not self-seeking. We was holding a meeting one time, my wife and I. This pastor had three millionaires in his church. And back there then, when if you was a millionaire, brother, you was a millionaire. <laughs> Amen. Not like it is today, these days of inflation. I'm talking about in, in the 50s. And uh, he asked me, I didn't want to tell him, actually he got it from somebody else, because I wouldn't tell a pastor how much I needed. I, I didn't want to put him under bond, just think he's got to meet that. But he said to me, well, I found out so-and-so, you know, what it takes to meet your budget, don't worry about it. I, I, and I knew you had three million, I've got three millionaires in my church, and, 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 and if that money don't come in, we've got, he told me how many thousands of dollars they had in the bank. Way back there then, that's a lot of money. See, they built a new church, beautiful new church. I had, I think he said, about $285,000 cash on hand. A lot of money then. And we'll just pay you out of that. So we went. One of his men had a brand new motel. Beautiful thing. Beautiful. He was one of them as a millionaire. Beautiful motel. Large motel. Beautiful. And did a great business. And had other businesses besides that. But he, uh, he was there running this motel. And uh, we had a room there free, of course. Held the meeting. He didn't do what he said he'd do. It took so much money to meet my budget. He gave me so much, but I didn't say anything to him. I said to my wife, though, now we just got enough money here because we got payments to make. And I send these payments off and I send them off. Got money orders and send them off. And we had to come all the way from California back to Texas. And I didn't have a credit card then. Later on, I got me a Texaco credit card, so I can't buy any gasoline on credit. Yeah, I did. I, I had gotten that credit card then. Couldn't buy the gasoline. I didn't realize I could have got some cash on it. But I didn't think about it. 
And so we just had, I said to my wife, well, I believe I'll go up there and ask this, uh, borrow some money from this man. See, he's one of his, one of his board members to get back home on. And I knew he'd be glad to loan to him. But then I said, and I started up there and I came back. My wife said, well, what? I said, no, I didn't do it. See, I, I can't work any ill to that pastor. You see, uh, he's going to think about, well, what, what happened here? What kind of pastor we've got? See? And I said, I can't do it because it'll make the pastor look bad in his eyes. I can't do that. I can't, I can't do that. Because, see, I may get sick on the way home then. And I've got to get back out in California and ask people to forgive me before I can get well. <laughs> so I can't do that. I can't do that. And so my wife understood that. And then I think he, I think he, uh, uh, that he suspicioned something. Because he came down there and asked me. Uh, but I still couldn't tell him. I didn't, I just sort of evaded him. I wouldn't, because I didn't want to make his pastor look bad in his eyes. A fellow like that's cheap anyway. Bless his heart. He's not going to make it anyway. But I'm not going to contribute to his downfall. And so we drove all the way from California. We didn't have enough money to get a room. We drove all the way from California. Had just enough money that we got us uh, some bread and got us some bologna and some milk and we never stopped to eat. Never stopped anywhere. Drove all the way through. We really done those things more than once because we didn't want to make it look bad on the pastor. I was holding a meeting for a pastor here in Oklahoma one time. Bless his heart. And, and you, if you listened to the flesh, you'd got up. I started just close the meeting in the middle of the week. But then the people's going to ask, what's wrong with our pastor? Or something, well, how come Brother Hagin leave? They're going to know something's wrong. Well, he may go out and try to lie and cover it up. But I, so I said, well, I'll have to stay at least one week. I'll make it look as good as I can on him. You see, uh, love will suffer the wrong instead of putting the wrong on the other fellow. Because I said, this man's not going to make it anyway. That poor fellow's not going to make it anyway, but I'm not going to contribute to his downfall. You say, what happened to him? Well, at 39, he's dead with cancer. A man act like he did, treat people like he did. Jesus said, Ben, as you've done unto the least of these, you did it unto me. If you don't judge yourself, you're going to get judged. That's not God's best, but it beats going to hell. Can you say amen? amen. Love, say it out loud. Love, Love. worketh. Worry. No ill. No Ill. That means no hurt to his neighbor. Love worketh no ill, no hurt to anyone. I pastored. I pastored nearly 12 years. I pastored a church down in East Texas during World War number two. Now, on either side of me, right on the, I, I was two blocks off of old Highway 80, you know, and the, and the old highways went right through town, you know. And then three miles to my west was another church right on the highway of the same full gospel denomination. Three miles to my east was another full gospel church, same denomination, right on the highway. And here my church was, you see, just two blocks off of the main highway. Now this church to my east, I had members that would come by that church to the west and come to my church. I had folks right around me that would go to those churches and vice versa, east or west. But right around my postage, right across the street in front of my postage, one of the men, one of the board members of this church to my east lived. All he had to do, and, and I had weeknight service on Thursday night. They had weeknight service on Wednesday night. And, and I'm a teacher, so they would come on Wednesday night and enjoy it. The other fellow, their pastor was more of a preacher instead of a teacher. And, and so he'd just walk across the street. And then right beside of him, which would be kind of cornered across the street in our partridge, one of the ladies and men of his church, the lady was the missionary lady, Sunday school teacher, and also headed up the ladies' missionary program in his church. And then right beside my parsonage, right beside it, his Sunday school superintendent lived, and the, and the wife was secretary and treasurer of the Sunday school. 
Well, some of my board members even suggested that I should encourage them to come to my church and should get them. I said to my board member, I'm not a sheep thief. Amen. No, sir. If they want to come and visit and we're having services, fine. But I'm not tampering with anybody else's church members. Now you understand this, somebody's a member of some old dead church that tells them that tongues is of the devil and healing's been done away with, I would encourage them to leave that church, not necessarily come to mind, but go somewhere, bless God, where they can get the truth. But I'm talking about fellow Christians, you see. I mean, members of the same church. No, sir, I'm not not gonna steal anybody's sheep. And then not only that, but this man, this board member right across the street had a good job. No oil company, you know. Oil field, oil field in East Texas then was booming. And he said to me one time, Brother Higgins, my wife and I have been talking about it. He said, you know, uh, gasoline rationing is on. We have to drive. It's not all that far, but we, we, we don't have to get in the car. We can just walk across the street and come to your church. We've been thinking about changing and coming to your church. I said, no, I wouldn't do that if I was you. Now, see, I knew something. I had good fellowship this past. They, they, they've got one, uh, it's very, very, very unusual for a full gospel church to have a brick church. My church, just a frame church. The other church to my west was a frame church. But out of 80 full gospel churches of our denomination, there's only three brick churches in all of East Texas, and this was one of them. And, and they're struggling to make their payments. They need his finances. I mean, they take his finances away from his life, they're liable to go under and I said, no, no, you don't come to my, now come visit when you want to, but they need your ties, they need your finances there. I'm not going to do ill or hurt to my brother. Well, he said, Brother Hagin, I appreciate that. I, I, I thank you. I said, no, you stay there. They need you. They need you. I know they need you. They need your money. They need your finances. Don't you do it. Now, th- this Sunday school secretary, she got mad at the pastor. And she knew I wouldn't take them, but, but my mother-in-law and dad-in-law was business, and we come back, and my mother-in-law said, here's some money that a lady left here wanted you to have. I knew in my spirit that it was this woman and her ties. And we described her. She lived right next door. And then, then, then we got to look out that way. You know, my mother-in-law said, yeah, that's her. I said, now that's her ties. So I just marched over there and said, this is your ties, isn't it? Yeah, well, I'm mad it's old so-and-so instead of calling him brother so-and-so. I said, you take them right back over there and give them to him. They don't belong to me. Love, Love. worketh, Worketh. no ill, ill. no hurt hurt. to anyone. anyone. Well, I'm not going to do it. I I said, okay, I'm taking them over and give them to him then. I went over there and said, brother, here's sister so-and-so's ties. She left at the house and I wasn't there with my mother-in-law. I knew in my heart this wasn't right. Well, he said, Brother Hagin, if she don't pay him here, I'd rather you'd have them anyway. I said, I don't want them. They belong to you. I asked her. She said to me, she said, I think that, uh, I just told J.D. that was her husband. I, I told him, and the little boy, what's his name? Larry. Larry. I told J.D., uh, let's just join Brother Hagin's church. I said, no, you're not going to join my church. Now, I wouldn't mind having J.D. and Larry, but I wouldn't have you. (laughs) But none of you is going to join my church. I said, I wouldn't have you. Well, she said, why? I said, I don't want you talking about me like you do your pastor. Now, you go back over there where you belong. And she went back over there where she belonged. Now, finally, this other family lived catty-cornered across the street. He got to where he wouldn't go over there. He, he, he'd, he'd show up my services every time. Well, I can't control him. He, he, wouldn't, he never said anything, never talked to me. But one day he said to him, he said, Brother Higgins said, my wife and I, and she'd come only on Thursday night and go to her church every time. He said, uh, we, we decided to change churches. We want to join your church. I've been coming here. Well, in this case, now I felt a little different thing here. I, I knew a little something, so I said, well, I'll talk to your pastor. Unless he's agreeable and, re- and he recommends you and it's agreeable, uh, why, we will not do it. We, we wouldn't accept you. I'll talk to him. Well, he said, okay, go ahead and talk to him. So I said to him, I told him what he told me, and, and the pastor said, Brother Hagin, I, I hate to lose her. It's just like losing your eye teeth to lose her. Well, well, she's the best worker in my church. But he said, for his benefit, I'm going to insist that you take him. 
I've got enough sense to know that everybody can't fit in with everybody's program. And he don't fit in with me in some way or another. I, I can't understand him. He don't fit in with me and I don't fit in with him. I didn't tell him, but I understood him exactly. I knew exactly where it's coming from. I knew it mostly by, the, by revelation in my spirit, by the Holy Ghost. I knew it could help him. And I said, well, I want you to know this. I will not accept them unless you say so. I'm going to insist that you do it. I believe that you can help him. And for his benefit, now see, that pastor's acting in love. He realized that the man needs help. He believes I can help him. I didn't tell him, but I knew I could. And thank God I did. Thank God I did. We rescued him. But see, I would not, if this pastor did not feel right about it and did not insist, I would not have taken those people into my church. I'm going to act in love. I said, I'm going to act in love. Whether anybody else does or not. Amen. Why? It can cost me my life. I'm going to live my full length of time out down here below. If Jesus doesn't come, praise God. Without sickness and disease. It just, it's just so much better, praise God, to, to be well than it is to be sick. Amen. That's the reason you can't get a lot of these people healed. Preach, preachers need to know that. And you need to preach that in your church. I don't preach it in crusade because you don't fit in crusade. Once in a while I get off on a little bit. We're in a different area. Are you listening to me? But that's one reason that we never did bear one church member in 12 years of pastoral work. Because we'd get that kind of truth into them. Now let's go on reading. Notice, love does not insist on its own rights or its own way for it's not self-seeking. It's not self-seeking. This love doesn't insist on its own rights. See, we'll never make it until we start believing in God and believing in love because God's love, so we believe in love. It's the best way and it's your way. Let's go on reading. Love is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Amen. You know anybody's made perfect in love yet? <laughs> you can see that love is perfect, isn't it? But it's not made perfect in us. But God wants it to be. I said God wants it to be. Let's read it again. Love is not, that's amplified translation, is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. Pays no attention to a suffered wrong. You see, here is love's thermometer. Here is the love gauge. It's easy. To find out whether or not you're walking in love. When you take account of the evil done to you, you're not walking in love. As long as you walk in God and stay full of the Spirit and let love dominate you, you won't take account of the evil done to you. Like I said, through the years, things have happened to me just as they've happened to you. I've had ministers, fellow ministers, even relatives tell me, I wouldn't take that. I wouldn't put up with that if I was you. They even told me I must have a weakness in my character. Fellow ministers. No, it's not weakness, it's strength. Because love never fails. Many have failed. And they've died prematurely because they lived so in the natural that they couldn't take advantages of the privileges of their privileges and their rights as a child of God, the things that belonged to them. They were always fussing and fighting until it had an effect on their entire being, including their bodies. Love takes no account of the evil done to it. Say that out loud. Love, Love. takes no account of the evil done to it. Now, that has to be the God kind of love, doesn't it? Because, you see, the Bible tells us that we were enemies of God, and God didn't take account of the evil done to it. God so loved the world. Hallelujah! That he sent Jesus to redeem us. He loved us while we were yet sinners. Love pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Now, can't you see that that would straighten things out in your life? Can't you see that walking in love would straighten things out in the home and in the church and in the nation? 
for men and women to become children of God and get the love of God in them because the love of God is shed abroad in their hearts and then live in the family of God as children of love. Let's go on reading. This is Amplified Translation of 1 Corinthians verse 4 through 8, 13th chapter. Love does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Whoa, glory to God. Someone said, I just can't take it any longer. Love can. I just can't put up with him anymore. Love can. I just can't put up with her. Love can. Think about it. God's putting up with all of us. Wonder if he ever says, I've taken just about all I can take. <laughs> now, you see, that's that old natural man and natural human love that's selfish and said, I, I can't take anymore. I'm not going to put up with that. The love of God in you bears up under anything. Let's go on reading. Love is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Did you ever notice that natural human love is ready to believe the worst of every person? I knew it's just like him. I didn't have any confidence in it to begin with. It's ever ready to believe the worst about the husband. Natural human love. Ever ready to believe the worst about the wife. Ever ready to believe the worst about the children. But this God kind of love is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Husband, wife, brother, sister, in the church, children, believe the best of every person. Hallelujah. That'll put you over. I said that'll put you over. You need to learn, instead of believing the worst of your children, you need to learn to surround them with faith and love. Lady said to me at St. Louis, preached the full gospel Benjamin convention. Brother Higgins wants you to pray for me. I said, what for? Well, I want you to promise me that you'll, before I tell you, I want you to promise me that you'll pray every day for this request. I said, I'm not going to do it. Because I, I, I probably wouldn't think of it every day. But what's your request? Well, now she said, I'm a widow. And I have a 16 and a half, a 15 and a half year old boy, only child I have. His daddy's dead. Now, I wasn't a Christian. He wasn't brought up in church either. I've just been in church in recent years. But said, I can't do a thing in the world with him. He won't go to church. He's just out to all hours of the night, sometimes three and four o'clock in the morning before he comes in. I, I, and said, I just lay there awake, you know, waiting for the phone to ring, telling me, you know, they've got him arrested down in jail, you know, in with a gang, and so on and so forth. I wanted you to pray every day. Will you promise me you'll pray every day for him? No, I said, I'm not going to pray for him at all. She said, you're not. No, I said, I'm not even going to pray one prayer. I'm doing that to get her attention. Right. Amen. Sort of like the old boy, little old boy lived in town. They've been in the country. Went out to his grandpa's farm. And his grandpa went out, you know, in those days they had mules and horses. And so he had, and so he started hooking these mules up. And he picked up two before and hit that, hit that mule in the head. And the little boy said, why'd you do that part? Grandpa said, just to get his attention. <laughs> Sometimes you have to get people's attention. I did that to get her attention. I said, I'm not going to even pray for him. I'm not going to pray one prayer. You're not? I said, no. She said, why? I said, wouldn't do any good. Wouldn't do a bit of good in the world. As long as you are going to keep nagging at him. As long as you're going to keep worrying about it. And keep telling him you'll never mount anything. You're going to wind up in the penitentiary. You're going to the reform school. You'll never make it. She said, how do you know I did that? I said, because you turned out like you did. That's how I come didn't know it. Well, she said, what am I going to do? I said, I'll tell you exactly what to do. Will you do it? Instead of me doing it every day, will you do it every day? <laughs> well, I will if it's easy. Everybody's looking for something easy. I said, it's easy. I said, now, number one, don't ever mention to him again. I said, he's 15 and a half, never 16. Don't ever mention to him again anything about Jesus, God, or the Bible. Probably every meal you try to preach to him, don't you? Yeah, she said, I do. I said, shut your mouth. Don't ask him to go to church. Just leave him alone. Now, you ought to start the way on back counter when he's little. 
but you didn't because way on back there you didn't even know God yourself to begin with. But get off of him. Get off of his back and quit hounding him. And then at night time, instead of laying there worrying and say, well, I guess the phone's going to ring. I said, you say, Lord, I don't know where he is, but I surround him with faith and love. I surround him with faith and love. I do not believe he's going to wind up in the penitentiary. I do not believe he's going to wind up in jail. I do not believe he's going to wind up in the reform school. I believe he's going to be delivered and blessed and saved. And I said, then go on to sleep. Oh, it'll be hard, but you can do it. Well, I went back 15 months later. There's three months difference between the convention. 50, you know, they have it every year, but there's three months, so it's actually 15 months. And I spoke one afternoon. I finished, and here came a lady up to me, just, just, just lively and lovely, and, 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 and shook hands with me. And she said, you don't recognize me, do you? I tell you, she looks so different, so much younger, and so much more beautiful. And I said, no, no, who are you? She said, don't you remember last year I asked you to pray for my boy? And I said, pray every day. Oh, I said, you're the one. Yeah, she said, I'm the one. And I'll tell you, she said, I had an awful time. I just had to bite my tongue to keep saying anything, but I did just what you said do. I practice it religiously. What you meant every day. I would never ask him anymore. He'd come in at four o'clock in the morning. And I'd just say, Lord, I surround him with faith and love. I just, if I said it once, I must have said it 10,000 times. And so she said, you know, 15 months have come and gone. He's almost, well, he'll be 17 in a few days. He's 15 and a half, 16 and a half, and three more months. You see, it'd be making him 16 and three quarters. And so she said, uh, I, uh, I said, uh, so he said one morning, I never invited him to church, never said a word to him. But he came in at four o'clock. I know when he came in because I heard the door open. See? Four o'clock in the morning, Sunday morning. But he got up and came to the breakfast table. And said, Mom, believe I'll go to Sunday school and church with you this morning. I said, oh, no, you shouldn't go. Just act you know, you was up to 4 o'clock. You need your rest. Oh, but I'm going to go, though. See, before she's hounding him, make him mad. So said he went. Next Sunday, same thing, Saturday night. He came in at 4 o'clock in the morning, Sunday morning. And got up and said, uh, son, got up for breakfast. Said, I believe I'll go to Sunday school and church with you this morning. She said, son, now, now you need your rest. You've got to go to school next week. You know, and you was out to 4 o'clock this morning. You might ought to stay in and rest. No, I want to go. So he went. And then she said he went back that Sunday night when the altar called given said he went to the altar and got saved. And he got filled with the Holy Ghost and said before he was 100% for the devil and now that he's 120% for God. Said, I believe that he's going to turn into a preacher. Thank you for helping me. Amen. Amen. I said, uh, and I said, well, praise God. She turned around. She said, thank God I've got a brand new boy. And she turned around and walked away. And then she came back and retraced up and said, I'll tell you something else. He's got a brand new mama. <laughs> said, I'm not the same person I used to be. I'm not the same person. She said, I don't think like it. Said, I pinched myself sometimes. Said, that really you? <laughs> said, I used to worry all the time. I don't ever worry anymore. I've learned to turn it over to the Lord. Praise God. We had one of the employees call me. This boy, you know, was off on dope and off in trouble. And, and he wanted, wanted to pray. And I told him what to do. I said, hey, I want to go look at farm and so on. I said, just leave him alone. Leave him alone. Just surround him with faith and love. And I showed him how to do it. How to surround him with faith and love. And the boy's a missionary today. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. Surround him with faith and love. Why? Love never fails hallelujah love is ever ready to believe what the best of every person children ought to have the right to be brought up in this kind of love atmosphere then they'll go out in life's fight and they'll win but when you see the worst in your children always telling them you'll never mount anything you won't do this. You won't do that. They'll live up to what you say. Amen. Amen. Though they may have missed it. When you see the best in them and love them rightly, it will bring the best out of them and they will amount to something. Every full gospel church I pastored, first church I pastored was community church, 85% of us Baptist. Every full gospel church I pastored I didn't realize it, but every single one of them was a troubled church. I had other pastors to tell me then that used to pastor that church. I don't understand it. 
I didn't understand it. Here were men, they'd named some of them, had become stalwart Christians. One of them put 30% of his income into the church. He said, when I was pastor, he wouldn't pay his tithes of all. Didn't come. Once in a while, he'd come on Sunday night, saved, filled with the Holy Ghost for a number of years. Maybe put a dollar in the offering plate. How he could ever turn out to become such a Christian, I don't know. I said, it's easy. He sort of grinned this farmer pastor and said, I'll tell you one thing. When he did show up, I was laying for him. I blooded his old head. I said, that's where you missed it. I said, you see, I saw the best in these men. I saw them even though they were failing. Even though they weren't. I saw them stalwart Christians. And, and we made every one of these men. And these other pastors would tell me, I don't understand that. I can't see that. How did you do that? They were the most unfaithful people. See, people's children that way a lot of times. They're unfaithful, but see the best in them. Talk to them like they're the best they are. They'll rise to the level. And that's what I did. I saw these men as leaders. I saw the best in them. And they rose to that level. Praise God, for I surrounded them with faith and love. Are you getting what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Praise God forevermore. All right, let's go on. Just a step further here and we'll be through. Listen. Loves, hopes, this is amplified translation now, are fadeless under all circumstances and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. See, if you walk in love, you'll never fail because love never fails. Now, we are interested in spiritual gifts, and we ought to be. But we ought to be interested in love first. Prophecies will fail. What he means is they will come to an end because they'll all be fulfilled. Tongues shall cease. We don't need to talk in tongues over there. Knowledge shall vanish away. But thanks be unto God. Love never fails. Yes, I believe in prophecy and prophesying. I believe in tongues. Thank God for it. But you can exercise prophecy and tongues outside of love and they become as sounding brass and tinkling cymbals. Thing about it is, let's have prophecy. Let's have tongues. Let's have knowledge. But let's have love with it. Let's put love first. Because we're in the family of love. Let's become acquainted with our heavenly father. Who is a God of love. We ought to want to learn. We ought to want to grow. We ought to want to grow in love. We ought to want to be made perfect in love. Now I haven't been made perfect in love yet. Have you? But did you know that the Bible says we can? Not in the next world. But in this world, I believe some of us are going to make it. I don't know about you, but I got my claim staked out. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. 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 I'm not going to quit just because I haven't made it yet. I'm going to keep after it. Thank God for his love. Thank God for his word. Hallelujah. Amen. I am a lover. Amen. Say it out loud. Say it again. The love of God has been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. I'll let that love dominate me. That measure of love, of the God kind of love that is in me, I will feed it. On the word, I will exercise it by walking in love, walking in divine love toward my fellow man, toward fellow Christians, toward husband, toward wife, toward children, toward parents, toward everyone. And I will remember that love worketh no ill, no hurt to anyone. And so I'll think before I speak, I will think 
before I act, and I'll ask myself, what effect will this action have on this particular person? Will it work hurt? Will it work ill? Then I'll not do it. For love worketh no ill to anyone. I'm a love child of a love God. Hallelujah. 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 Stand up and praise him because you are. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to his holy name. Glory to his holy name. Glory to his holy name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, if you don't have an amplified translation, get somebody's amplified translation. You see, it doesn't change the meaning of any of that. It just makes it a little more clear. Some of them amplifies it. Write out those four verses. That is from the fourth through the eighth verse, the first part of the eighth verse, love never failing. Write those out. Write it out on a, on a card. Put it in the mirror in your bathroom, nothing else. Read it every morning. I tell you, if husbands and wives would just read that for six weeks and practice that, their home would become heaven on earth. When people came into the home, they could feel that love atmosphere. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. And if you husbands never have asked your wife to forgive you, you ought to start right now because you're behind time. Amen. Amen. And if your wives never have had asked your husband to forgive you, you need to start right now. And don't let those things fester and hang there. It'll ruin your health, ruin your home, ruin your life, and ruin your children. Amen? Amen. But just stop right then and say, honey, I, I, I spoke too short to you. I should have. I want you to forgive me. See, love worketh no ill. Glory. Amen. 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 I said, Amen. Amen. I said, Amen. Amen. Now say this out loud and let your heart agree with it. Why don't you shut your eyes and lift your hand and say it? Thank God, Thank God. I'm, born I'm born again. I am born of God, and God is love. So I am born of love. I am a love child I am a love of a love God. Love God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I purpose, I purpose in my heart, in my heart to, walk in love. to walk in love. For love is the fulfilling of the law. And thou, dear Lord, Lord hast said, has said in the old covenant, the old covenant walk in my statutes, walk keep my commandments, keep my commandments do, that which is right in my sight, do that which is right in my sight. I'll take sickness away from the midst of you. The number of your days you will fulfill. Paraphrasing that in New Testament language. You walk in my commandment of love. You walk in my statue of love. You walk, you do that which is right in my sight. Which is to walk in love. For love is the fulfilling of the law. I purpose in my heart to walk in love. For love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. So I expect to live my full length of time out down here in this earth without sickness, without disease. Hallelujah. And should Jesus not come before, I'll just fall asleep in Jesus without sickness, without disease, for I'm a lover. Hate has no place with me. Hate is not a part of me. I have passed from death. Spiritual death. Hate unto life. Eternal life. God kind of life. Love. Hallelujah. I pass from death unto life. Because I love 
the brethren. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am a lover. I'm not a hater. Glory to God. Put your other hand up and thank him for it. That concludes this message. For more information about Kenneth Hagen Ministries, call 1-888-283-2484 or visit our website at www.rhema.org or write Kenneth Hagen Ministries, Post Office Box 50126, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74150-0126. And in Canada, write Kenneth Hagen Ministries, Post Office Box 335, Station D, Etobicoke, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, M9A4X3.